And I'm thankful for the Lord Jesus today. Psalm 116. I normally don't read an entire passage. I usually read the text that I'm preaching from. But I would feel I would do a great injustice to this text without reading a good portion of it. And the Bible is wonderful. You can just read it and be blessed. But notice Psalm 116 in verse number 1. I love the Lord. Can I just stop and say this morning when you said that, there's nothing else to say. When you said that, you've said it all. That is the testimony of everybody that I know that has met Jesus Christ. I love the Lord. Hallelujah. Can you say that with me together? I love the Lord. Turn to somebody beside of you and say, hey, I love the Lord. And turn back around saying, if you don't, you crazy. I love the Lord. And what a beautiful psalm. I love the Lord because. I wonder if there's anybody here today you could take an eternity and fill in that blank. I love the Lord because. I love the Lord because he hath heard my voice and my supplications. Because he hath inclined his ear unto me, therefore will I call upon him as long as I live. The sorrows of death compassed me, and the pains of hell got hold upon me. I found trouble and sorrow. Then I called upon the name of the Lord. O Lord, I beseech thee, deliver my soul. Gracious is the Lord and righteous, yea, our God is merciful. The Lord preserveth the simple. I was brought low, and he helped me. Return unto thy rest, O my soul, for the Lord hath dealt bountifully with thee. For thou hast delivered my soul from death, my eyes from tears, and my feet from falling. I will walk before the Lord in the land of the living. I believe, therefore I have spoken. I was greatly afflicted. I said in my haste, all men are liars. But what shall I render unto the Lord for all of his benefits toward me? I will take the cup of salvation and will call upon the name of the Lord. I will pay my vows unto the Lord now in the presence of all his people. Mama, are you watching? Are you listening, sweetie? Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. O Lord, truly I am thy servant and thy servant. I am thy servant, I am thy servant, and the son of thine handmaid, thou hast loosed my bonds. I will offer to thee the sacrifice of thanksgiving and will call upon the name of the Lord. I will pay my vows unto the Lord now in the presence of all of his people. I love this. In the courts of the Lord's house, in the midst of thee, O Jerusalem. Say this with me now. Praise ye the Lord. It is no secret that I am a preacher that loves music. I've often said you don't build a church on music, but you won't build much of one without it. 
And I'm thankful for the music that we get to listen to on Sunday morning and Sunday night to prepare our hearts for the teaching and the preaching of the Word of the Lord. Uh, I believe our church, along with all other churches in our generation, have been blessed with some wonderful songwriters. I thank God for the generation before us that wrote the great hymns that some churches still deem necessary and important to sing. I love the hymns that we sing. I love the hymns of Fanny Crosby. I love the hymns of the faith that we all grew up upon. I I love the gospel songs that we have sang in church my entire life. Some of my fondest memories of church are some of the wonderful gospel spiritual songs that we would sing as a church family. The Lord has blessed our generation with some of the greatest songwriters in the history of gospel music. You cannot just uh, flippantly overlook the songs of Dottie Rambo. Uh, how most of us grew up listening to Build My Mansion Next Door to Jesus. You say, well, that song is sentimental. I like it whether you do or not. He looked beyond my fault and saw my need. If that isn't love, and then she topped it off, we shall behold him. In the valley he restoreth my soul. There is an unseen hand to me. Wonderful. And then, and you cannot, you cannot, whether you love him or not, you cannot disregard the songs of Bill Gaither because he lives. He touched me. The old rugged cross made the difference. The king is coming. Wow. How many times our spirits have been lifted up and blessed because of those songs. And I have never met the two names I just mentioned. But God did allow me to meet some great songwriters of of our generation. I don't know how you could talk about songwriters, gospel songwriters, without talking about our dear friend from the mountains of North Carolina. Actually, from the mountains of West Virginia, then migrated to the mountains of North Carolina, Brother Squire Parson, Beulah Land. Can you imagine Beulah Land? Can you imagine how many checks Squire has cashed at the bank? Beulah Land. He came to me, the master of the sea. Wow, what wonderful song. Look for me at Jesus' feet. And we got to break bread with him many times. He has sang on this platform many times. In fact, Deborah, you ought to remember one Sunday night. You passed out while he was singing. I said, Squire, I want you to knock him dead tonight, but not really. And uh, But Brother Squire just kept on singing. We hauled her over to the mental institution. She's fine now. And Squire kept on singing. Wonderful. One of the great songwriters that God allowed me to meet, not only just meet, but have a ministry with, share the platform with many, many times, was Califay Rowland. What a blessing she was and still is, even though she is in heaven. And uh, if Brother Squire's watching, you ought to feel good, man. You're still alive. And so is Mr. Gaither. But but met uh, Califay Rowland. All you got to do is mention her name, and everybody remembers the great songs. There arose a lamb. God saves old sinners. 
one scarred hand. My soul. Think about that. He hideth my soul in the cliff of the rock. I rest my case at the cross. Numerous, numerous, wonderful songs that flowed from her heart onto her pen. I remember one night in Tinga, Georgia. Now, you know you have been around the world if you have sang and preached in Tinga, Georgia. You say, where is Tinga, Georgia? Well, if you know where Dalton is, you might be able to find Tinga. Where's that little country church? Just, I mean, not far from the Tennessee border one night. And, and uh, I was preaching, her and Ron and he were singing. And I got happy, they got happy. And I looked over there at Sister Kyle. I said, Lord God, honey, you sure can write a song. And she said, Lord God, honey, you sure can preach a sermon. And I said to her one day, I said, Kyle, if I had one sermon, just one sermon, half as good as your songs, I'd have been a preacher. She said, Brother Joe, you have to pray and live right to get what I get from God. What a blessing. I used to love to hear... Squire. I used to love to hear Lois Gale, who wrote the song we sang a while ago, Word is a Risen Lamb. I love to hear songwriters not only do their own songs, but I love to hear them tell what birthed that song into her heart. Several years ago, Kyla Faye and myself and some folks was in a meeting over here in Lawrenceville, Georgia, at Michael Soup's church. And uh, Miss Kyla began to give this testimony. She out behind her house, her husband built her a little, we would call it a shed, but we, she fixed it up into a, a study, a prayer room where she would pray and do her devotions and write a lot of her music. She said one cold winter day, she put on her winter coat and went out there to turn on the little electric heater to get it warm because later on in the day, after it got warm, she was going to go out, study, and read her Bible and write some music. She said, I turned the fire on and it got going real good and I had that blanket. And she said, all of a sudden, I just felt impressed of the Holy Spirit to just sit in my chair. She said, even though it was cold, I just wrapped up in a big old blanket and sat in my chair. And she said, after about 10 minutes of sitting in the chair, she said, I didn't say nothing to God and God didn't say nothing to me. So I thought I would just leave and come back. She said, I stood up and walked across the floor of that little dwelling place. And she said, when I put my hand on the doorknob, I stopped and said, oh, by the way, Lord, did I mention this? Did I mention that I love you? And did I mention that I adore you? She said, I turned to walk and I put my hand on the door again. And she said, I heard the Lord say, I love you too, Kyla. And if you'll sit down in that chair, I'll talk to you. And sitting at that chair from her out of her heart onto a pen with paper, she wrote that I mentioned that I love him. And I will never forget the testimony she gave. She said, I've never sang this song in public before. So I'm going to try it out on you. Now, when most people say they're going to try out a new song, you cringe like, oh, my. But I knew everything would be all right. She'd never written a dud before. And she began to sing for the first time in public, did I mention that I love you? 
And I will never forget the testimony that she gave. She says, right before I sing the song, I want to say a word. And I said to the pastor, I said, it won't be a word. You know how some of them women singers are if they ever get started talking. And I said, we're in not, not for a word, preacher. We're going to get a baptistic woman preacher sermon right here. And I'll never forget what she said, Brother Tom. She raised her hand and went, whoo, hallelujah. When you say, Jesus, I love you, there's nothing else left to say. And as I was studying the psalm to preach from it this morning, that story just came flooding back in my mind. I love the Lord. How long's it been since you just looked up and said, Lord, I love you. You know, I don't believe that would hurt you to do it right now. Do you love him? Won't you just say, Lord, (laughs) I love you. Because when you say, I love the Lord, that says it all. That shows that you not only love him, you trust him, you believe him, and you adore him. Because when you say, I love the Lord, You've said it all. There are three things in this psalm, I believe, that God wants us to see today about our love for the Lord. I believe if you looked at this psalm, verse 1 through 8, you would find the reason. Three or four times in the text, he said, I love the Lord because, because, because. You would find a reason. I believe in verse 9 down through verse number 16, you would find the responsibility. Because I love the Lord, what am I supposed to do about it? And six times in the text, he said, I will, I will, I will. And in the last verse of the psalm, I believe you would see the rejoicing. Because if we will realize the reason we love the Lord and respond to that love, It won't be hard to rejoice and give him the praise and the honor that he deserves. The private praise, the one we just do in our heart that's just between you and God. And then there's that public demonstration of our love for Jesus Christ. And by the way, this morning, I believe we ought to be faithful to those both areas of praise. I believe we ought to be faithful to our private praise. Where from a heart of gratitude, we just say, I love you, Lord. I love you, Lord. I love you, Lord. My mama on several occasions the last couple of days has reminded me. And she wants me to know that even though she don't understand, even though she don't necessarily like it, she wants me to know, honey, I still Love the Lord. And I'm glad when you don't understand the Lord, and be honest, when you don't even like what He's doing, you still love the Lord. I love Him. And notice He begins for eight verses to give us the reason, and there is a reason why we love Him. As I begin to go through this psalm and look at the many reasons, there's an old song from the 70s that came in my mind. So many reasons why I love the Lord. So many reasons I can't count them. 
So many reasons why I trust his word. So many reasons. Far as I know, the song only has one verse in that first verse. And the only verse goes, one was when he saved me at an old-fashioned altar. He placed within my heart his joy. I know. He changed my life completely, gave me hope for tomorrow. And that's the reason why I love him so. I remember Miss Janet. We knew her as Janet Durham. Later on became Janet Troutman. And if she was here today, and I would have her to sing that song. She always had verse number two. She said to me years ago, Brother Joe, I've got a second verse to that song. I said, who wrote the second verse? She said, the Holy Spirit wrote it. And to the tune of that, she began to sing, The Lord is my shepherd, and I shall not want. I'm glad today there are so many reasons why I love the Lord. We could stay here today all afternoon and pass the microphone and everybody in this building would have a special reason why you love the Lord. But I love the psalmist's reason in the text. Notice what he said in verse 1 this morning. I love the Lord because. And he names a specific reason why he loves the Lord. I love the Lord because he hath heard my voice. And he adds, he hath heard my supplications, plural. I wonder if there's anybody today, you just love the Lord because he's been listening to you. I'm glad he has heard my cry. I'm glad he has heard my supplications. I love the way John R. Rice described supplications. He said prayer is getting a hold of God. Supplications is seriously getting a hold of God. Boy, have you ever said, Lord, I need you? And have you ever said, Lord, I really need you? And have you ever said, Lord, I really need you? And I need you real bad. Aren't you glad his ear is not too heavy that he cannot hear? Aren't you glad he has heard our cry? He has heard our prayer. He has heard our desperate plea. I'm glad today that our cry and our desperate plea does not fall on deaf ears nor a cold heart. I've got some friends of mine and I love them dearly. I struggle with this a little bit, but not as much as some people I know. That is a pharisaical statement. It's a classic. That's better than Bill Clinton's he didn't inhale the marijuana. But I've got some friends of mine. You could be talking to them. And you could be telling them that the world is on fire and the sky is falling. Mm -hmm. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yep. Mm -hmm. Sure. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. Yep. But if you're ever bold enough to stop and say, look at me. How many of you are like me? Look at me when I'm talking. Me and Miss Arthur got into a serious discussion. I said, look at me. I'm looking. 
And I want to tell you, the look I got was not worth the look that I wanted. And if you're ever bold enough to say, look at me, what did I just say? They may say remotely something close to what you said. They were not hearing. They were not listening. I've got a precious friend of mine. In fact, I've literally made up stuff. And I know it was lying, but I asked forgiveness. I made up stuff. And at the end of it, did I just, did you hear what I just said? Yeah. And then I told him what I said. You're kidding. It's possible to talk to a stone wall. Just because somebody is in your presence doesn't mean they're listening. And it doesn't mean they give a flip if they were listening. But I want to tell you, my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, is not a stone wall. And I'm not cutting the Jewish people today. God knows they have enough enemies. But when I went to the Holy Land, and I stood there in Jerusalem at the Wailing Wall, and I watched them write the notes and put them in the cracks of the bricks, and they praying to the... Wailing wall. Oh, the Holy Spirit came in my heart and I'm glad. I'm glad this morning that I'm not bouncing words off of a stone wall. But I'm glad I have a great high priest at the right hand of the majesty on high who has touched with the feelings of my infirmities. And I love the Lord because he hath heard my cry and he hath heard my serious cry. God, I need you and I need you bad. I'm glad he has heard that cry. I love what he says in verse number two. I love the Lord because a specific reason. He not only had heard my cry and my sorrow, but look what he said in verse 2. He hath inclined, Lord, have mercy unto me. You say, what in the world does that mean? He has not only stood there and listened to what you've had to say, but he's extended a helping hand. He has inclined unto you. He has not reclined back like I don't care. But my God, he has leaned into your direction and mine and said, not only have I heard, but I'm here to help. Aren't you glad today the sovereign God of heaven loves us enough not just to listen to what we say, but he loves us enough to move in our direction. And I remind you of something this morning, ladies and gentlemen, when you're praying to the sovereign God of heaven in the precious name of the Lord Jesus Christ, you're not praying to a statue. You're not praying to an idol. You're not praying to a mythical being. You're praying to a living, loving Savior who cares and who understands. And He does more than listen to us. He leans in our direction. He pays attention to us. And says, I'm there to help you. And no wonder he ends verse 2 and says, Therefore, I will call upon him as long as I live. He said, if you're going to listen and if you're going to lean to me, I'm going to call upon you as long as I live. 
Have you ever got tired of talking to somebody that's not listening? And you'll say, well, if you're not going to listen, I'm not going to waste my breath. Aren't you glad there's never a child of God that is offered one breath of praise, one breath of request to the sovereign God of heaven that he denied or he ignored. I'm glad he's listening. I'm glad he heard. I'm glad he's there. I'm glad he cares. I'm glad he's leaned in our direction, standing there ready to help. And let me ask you this, how we cannot love a God like that, how we cannot trust a God like that. How can we not call upon a God like that? Many, many years ago, Maurice Templeton, Claude Hopper, and Mr. Beasley that owned the Florida boys had an idea. Let's rent a ship, shut down the drinking and the gambling, take a, take a couple of thousand people on a cruise and Eat and sing and eat and sing and eat and sing. Brother Mays, why don't you just preach every morning? And so they started what has become the singing at sea. I don't call it the singing at sea. I call it a eating at sea. Because you eat when you get on and you eat during the day. And if you go hungry on a cruise, your fault. My doctor put me on a diet three days before we went on the cruise this year. How cruel. How cruel. I said, I know I'm fat. I want a second opinion. He said, you're ugly too, but I can't do nothing about that. But on that second year, and a lot of people still do this, they'll get a lost loved one or they'll get somebody they work with that's not a Christian and they will pay their way. To get them to come on that Christian cruise where there's no drinking, no gambling, very little cussing. I said very I didn't say none at all. I said very little. And just singing and preaching and we have people saved every year. We had a couple of people get saved the other, uh, this past year and Ralph said, I'm going to go have me a baptizing. There's enough. So they went out to the pool at midnight and had a baptizing. And that first, that, that second year, that was a little lady in North Carolina that a lady worked with her that it was of a, another religion, worshipped idols. And she invited her to come on this cruise. Well, every morning she talked her into going to hear Brother Mays do the morning devotion. And Brother Mays' devotions was probably like mine. You know, you had to hike a little bit. And he preached all that week on Jesus. He preached on the hands of Jesus. He preached on the eyes of Jesus. He preached on the lips of Jesus. He preached on the heart of Jesus. He preached on Jesus. And on Friday morning, he was standing there. And standing beside of that lady was this other lady that stooped in a religion that worshipped idols. The tears was running down her face. And this lady said, Brother Mays, she's got a story she wants to tell you. And in her broken English, she began to describe how that her whole life she was in this religion. And her whole life she's bowed down to this statue and she said, I have a duplicate of it in my purse about that big. She said, I carry it with me everywhere I go and during the day I pray to it. At night before I go to bed, I bow down and put it on the bed and I pray. She said, I've done that my whole life. She said, but last night, sir... I had a problem.
I bowed down to my God and I got to thinking about, I love what she said, your lectures. She said, I got to thinking about the lectures that you've been given, about the hands and the heart, the eyes and the lips of your God. And she said, when I bowed down last night, I looked at my little God and I began to pray and I noticed something. His eyelids never twinkled. His lips never moved. His hands, fingers never quivered. She said, I came to the conclusion that all he was was a dead piece of wood. And she said, I went up on the top deck and I flung him into the Atlantic Ocean. And she said, I went back to my stateroom and I got on my knees and I called on your Savior and I called on your God. And she says, now I have a God with eyes to see and ears to hear and lips to speak and a heart to love and a hand to save. Can I remind you this morning, ladies and gentlemen, we're not in some mystical religion, but our hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and His righteousness. Our God is alive. Our God is able. Our God is sovereign. He is on the throne and He's listening and He's leaning and he's helping you and I. And I can't help but say, I love the Lord. Man, I got 15 more verses to go, but that'll suffice for now. Aren't you glad today he has heard and has leaned in our direction? While they're coming with a song this morning, I was thinking about Matthew 14 when John 6, when Jesus has invited Simon Peter to join him out on the water walking experience. And by the way, Simon Peter did walk on that water. Not long. But he did. And you know the story. He didn't get drunk. He didn't cuss. He didn't commit adultery. He just got distracted. Got his eyes off of Jesus. But the King James has a very interesting term. It said, I'm beginning to sing. His first sign of trouble. He cried, Lord, save me. Do you remember that glad hour in your life when those words came out your heart up through your lips? Lord, save me. And the Bible said immediately, Jesus. He didn't say he walked on the water to get to him. He didn't say he swam through the troubled waters to rescue him. It said and immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand and caught him. He was just an arm stretch away from the hand of salvation. And I'm glad whatever's ruining your life and mine, Mama, we're just a hand's breath away from a hand 
that can lift us above the shadows. Because he's listening and he's leaning and he's helping. Let's stand together all over the building, our Heavenly Father, in Jesus' name.